Hello, everybody. Welcome. Once again, as we continue on in the study we're doing um, currently through the Old Testament, we're working through it a chapter at a time. This week will be in Exodus chapter 25. Uh, so we're, we're making good progress. For those of you that have been here for a while, we, we did work through the New Testament together. It took just a little bit over five years. We got through every chapter. Then we started our journey through the Old Testament, and uh, we worked all the way through Genesis, and now we're working our way through Exodus. I think it's great to go through the Bible like this. helps us to understand it in context. And my hope was uh, when I started, so now we're seven years plus in, um, that over a 20-year period, I would be able to read to you um, the Bible, chapter at a time. So uh, it takes a while when you're doing a chapter at a time, but we're, we're plugging along. And uh, so that's good stuff. Um, and I've also, you know, tried to get you to remember little things, particularly when we read a book in the Old Testament, like a big book like this, just so you have an idea of, you know, what was going on and why it's important and what matters. And I was thinking earlier, all the time that we did Genesis for that entire year, I kept asking you to remember four events and four people and one big thing. And I was thinking, let's see, because I haven't been running through it either. If I can remember and see how many of you can remember that were with me in the book of Genesis, the four big events were the creation and the fall and the flood and the Tower of Babel. See, some of you, I can see you do that right with me. And the four main characters, although there were a bunch, was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Good. So hopefully you remember that from Genesis. And the main theme, it kind of runs from Genesis 3.15 throughout, was called the Crimson Thread of Redemption. And uh, we trace that all the way through the Old Testament. You'll watch it happen as we go. So now we're in the book of Exodus, and I've said there's four sort of things that I, I really wanted for you to remember that, that you know, we're going to find out about in the Exodus. And um, one of them was the Passover and all the events that led up to that. That was the first 12 chapters or so of the book of Exodus. And then we, it was the parting of the Red Sea because of some symbolic stuff that we should know about that and how God showed up and made all that happen. And then what we just covered was uh, about the giving of the law and we talked about the law of God and the law of Moses. And the law of God, Ten Commandments, the law of Moses was the book of the covenant. We read over the last three chapters. That was between specifically God and his people for um, how they were to live in the world and what they were called to and what that looked like and who they were to be representatives of God. And now um, we just started last week and we'll move from this week and really over the next 16 chapters that we do together. So it'll be well in the next year. We're going to talk about the tabernacle and why that's important. And so, uh, so faithful to the promises that God made in Exodus 6. We talked about this a little. The Lord um, delivered his people from Egypt, which he promised would he do. And um, at Sinai, we saw that he adopted them to himself as his special treasure, his people, his nation, the people of God. And we, we just developed all of that, and we talked about the law. And now he's um, in the process of filling the rest of the promise was that he would actually come and dwell with his people. And, and this is um, what we're going to read about in Exodus 25 through 40. In order to do that, two things needed to take place um, that needed to be a place for the glory of God to dwell. And there needed to be um, sort of a ministry set up where, where people would take care of that place and do the things that needed to happen. And so he, he, he will command um, 
the, the, the uh, Jewish nation to build a tabernacle and also to set apart the tribe of Levi to serve him. Remember, he's already had the firstborn of, of everybody in Israel been consecrated to him. He's going to make a shift in a little bit, and he's going to set up this Levitical ministry um, that's going to happen here in, in just a little while. And, uh, and so the building of the tabernacle and the ordaining of the priesthood sort of are go hand in hand, and they're really what we're going to be talking about in the rest of this uh, book. And so, um, you know, early on we've, we've already read in, in the book of Genesis that the Lord had walked with his people and with Adam and Eve, that he had walked with Enoch, uh, he had somehow walked with Noah and the patriarchs, but now he's actually going to come and dwell with them, with the people. And so it's a, it's a completely different setup, and it's a huge privilege um, for the nation of Israel. No other, no other nation had ever had a living God in their midst, and it was about to take place. Um, but it, it was going to be a great responsibility because the camp of Israel had to be a holy place where um, a holy God could dwell. And so this is what's going to be happening and what we're reeling about. And as we read about the detail of the construction of the tabernacle and the elements of the priesthood, there's going to be some really profound spiritual truths that, uh, that apply to us today. And, um, uh, and it also, we've already studied through the book of Hebrews, um, studying through these chapters will make Hebrews come even more to life for you as we go on. All right, let me quit talking and read Exodus 25. 40 verses, kind of a long chapter. Beginning in verse 1, I'm reading out of the NIV. Whatever translation you use is just fine. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You're to receive the offering from me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. These are the offerings you're to receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Have them make a chest of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the chest to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Then put in the ark the testimony, which I will give you. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. And make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. And make the cherubim of one piece with a cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the testimony which I will give you. There, above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. Make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, a cubit wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. Also make around it a rim, um, a hand breadth wide and put a gold molding on the rim. Make four gold rings for the table and fasten them to the four corners where the four legs are. The rings are to be close to the rim to hold the poles used in carrying the table. 
Make the poles of acacia wood. Overlay them with gold and carry the table with them. And make its plates and dishes of pure gold as well as its pitchers and bowls for the pouring of offerings. Put the bread of the presence on this table to be before me at all times. Make a lampstand of pure gold and hammer it out, base and shaft. Its flower-like cups, buds, and blossoms shall be of one piece with it. Six branches are to extend from the side of the lampstand, three on one side and three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand, a second bud under the second pair, and a third bud under the third pair, six branches in all. The buds and branches shall be all, all, all be of one piece with the lampstand hammered out of pure gold. Then make it seven lamps, set them up on it so they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Blessed be the word of the Lord. That's pretty detailed, right? I think it's fascinating. Um, and we'll talk more about it. But So this whole tabernacle has to be built, and God starts giving them instructions for the furniture that go in the very center. It's really kind of wonderful. But let's talk about it a little bit. So verse 1, uh, first couple of verses, the Lord says to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. And so although the design of the tabernacle was going to be God's alone, um, the people have a definite part to play in the construction. Uh, he's going to tell them how to do it. They're going to have to do it. And he tells them, bring an offering in to pay for it and to make all this stuff happening and to get all the supplies and to bring the gold and everything that's going to be used to make the furnishings. And um, you, you might say, well, how, how do these people have any money? They escaped from Egypt, remember? And they've been just now months hanging out in the desert by Sinai. Uh, um, what's been going on? But remember what they did just before they left? They went to all their neighbors and asked them for stuff to go out. And they took all kinds of stuff that were given to them, jewelry and gold and all sorts of things. And it was sort of a payment for 400 years of slave labor. They had that with them. Off they went. So they, were, they all had some stuff. And then uh, it goes in those next few verses, and it says, Receive uh, an offering from me, from each person whose heart prompts him to give, uh, and you receive from them gold and silver and bronze and, and, and yarn and, and goat hair and linen and olive oil and all sorts of other things and onyx stones. And so, um, so this offering, uh, was, it, we'll read in Exodus 36, it was actually taken up, and it was so generous, the people responded to God in, in this whole process so well that Moses actually had this says, okay, that's enough, we've got too much. Pretty interesting idea. He said, take out the offering, and oh, that's enough. Don't bring us anymore. So, um, so the, the uh, and this is neat too because the, the outside of the tabernacle is basically a big tent, not very fancy, but the inside would be worth and cost millions in, in more than you can you know, even comprehend uh, by today's standards, millions and millions. And it was all provided by the hands of God's people. And, and that was their part in the process. And, and that these people gave cheerfully. It came out of their hearts. You know, in the New Testament, we're supposed to be givers as well. Um, God's a giver. He wants us to be givers, and, and it should come from that same place. And they were happy to respond to God um, as he asked them to come with their, with, their, with their offerings and with their talents and with their time. Then he says in verse 8, um, 
that have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. So it's a neat process. They're, they're to construct a tabernacle. And, and, um, and so now there's some similarities. Like there, there's some similarities between the tabernacle being made where, where God would come and dwell and the, the word made flesh that we understand, you know, about Jesus coming in John 1, 14. Because when it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, Literally, it could be translated, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And so the tabernacle uh, in the Old Testament was a temporary appointment. Um, it served a specific purpose for a specific time until the temple was erected in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And um, uh, just as Jesus, uh, you know, dwelt among us temporarily for 33 years until he ascended into heaven, the, the tabernacle was humble in outward appearance covered with animal skins, um, sort of resembled the, the nomad tents of the days, um, and, and Jesus uh, was also very common in appearance. So much so that, you know, to be identified, Jesus had to, Judas had to come and betray him with a kiss. He couldn't pick him out from everybody else. So outwardly, um, that was a similarity. And although it was humble outwardly, the interior of the tabernacle was unbelievably beautiful. Not only was it filled with gold and silver and fine tapestries, um, but it was filled with the Shekinah glory of God. And, and although Jesus, you know, resembled other men of his day in outward appearance, there was such a beauty within him that people were drawn to him. They could see his inner, inner beauty in the process. Um, the tabernacle was not only God's dwelling place, but his meeting place. Um, and, and similarly, Jesus not only dwells among us, but... He's the way that we have relationship with the Father. It's always in Christ. So there's a lot of similarities in these things that are happening. Um, in verse 9, he says, you know, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. He says, make sure you build it exactly the way I show you. Why is that important? We get a clue from Hebrews 8, 5. Um, they serve at the sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. Now, this is why Moses was warned when he was, when he was about to build the temple. See to it, you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So the, the tabernacle was a shadow or a picture of that which is in heaven presently. And so it was a, it was a pretty big deal that they were, they were taking a part of in this process. Then he says, look, I want you to start by making a chest, the Ark of the Covenant. It's a big chest. Um, he gives them a, uh, you know, and he starts talking about this furniture. And again, I think it's fascinating because you would think, okay, it's time to build the tabernacle. Here's the blueprints, and uh, this is what you're going to do, and it's not how he starts. He starts with the furniture in the very center of the place. Pretty cool how it happens, and he'll start to build out from there. And so he gives them a list of building materials, and then he starts giving the plans for the Ark of the Covenant box, inside of which would be placed the Holy of Holies, uh, which would be, sorry, inside of which the box would be placed inside the Holy of Holies, inside the tabernacle. And then things are going to be put into the ark. And um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a picture. You know, he's, he's talking about how his presence is going to be available to them and what that looks like. Um, it was to be made of acacia wood. Uh, and acacia wood, um, it grew in the desert regions. It grew in dry grounds. And, and uh, it had a unique property, very fascinating, that when it was pierced, it, it, um, it would have a, it pours forth a gummy resin that contains healing properties for cuts and sores and abrasions. And, and um, similarly, when Jesus was pierced, 
you know, by his stripes, uh, he, we are healed spiritually, emotionally, physically. Um, it's a, a lot of these things that are being built are pictures of Jesus. Um, and so the, the, the ark was two and a half cubits long, cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Um, a cubit, everybody knows how long a cubit is, right? <laughs> it's the distance from your fingertip to your elbow. That's a cubit, all right? So the ark would have been about, uh, the ark of the covenant would have been about four feet by two feet by two feet. Okay, so that was the size of it. It was to be overlaid with pure gold, both inside and out. And so it's actually portraying, it's a portrayal of Jesus. Jesus became a man, right? But he was also God, fully God, fully man. And so the acacia wood of humanity was covered with the gold of deity. It's a picture of who Jesus was. The gold molding around it, you know, Jesus would uh, be crowned here with a crown of thorns, but ultimately in Revelation with a crown of gold. It's a picture of what's to come. Um, the rings would, would be cast for the ark, and, and so that no one ever touched the ark of the covenant with their hands. It, it was with on these, these poles that were inserted that stayed there. They always carry the ark by these poles. When they don't, we'll read about that. It causes a big problem for somebody. They're into the ark, inside the ark, the Ten Commandments that, uh, that God are written by the finger of God in Exodus 31. Uh, he puts them in the, inside the stone. Uh, there's something significant about the commandments being kept in the ark. The ark's a picture of Jesus. All right. Uh, uh, and the, the commandments, um, so, so it's, a, it's a really a neat picture because, you know, we, we know in the New Testament, right? In Hebrews it says we're to come bold, boldly before the throne of grace, find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Um, sometimes when we say, when we hear that, we think, you know, but I can't because I've been, you know, I haven't been, I haven't been praying the way I should. I haven't been to church. I haven't, I haven't, you know, lived the way that I needed to live. I haven't, I haven't kept the commandments. We get stuck under that all the time. But see, the commandments are kept in the ark. And, and they're kept there by Jesus. And he was the only one that ever kept them. And, 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 and now we have access, not because that we ever did, ever did that, but because Jesus kept them perfectly for us and fulfilled them in every way. All these things are little pictures of what he's going to do for us. Jesus kept them perfectly, and as believers, we're in him positionally. And so when the Father looks at us, he sees us through his Son and doesn't see our sin. All of this is sort of being set up already here in the tabernacle um, and the way it's laid out. Pretty cool stuff. And uh, the cherubim, you know, he's supposed to make them, you know, these angels, and they look at one another and... and um, uh, and what's fascinating about that is that whole thing he's discovering, he's talking about is these angels on either side of the, the, this thing, and it's a covering that goes on the ark, uh, and it's called the mercy seat. Um, this is what that ends up being called right there. And why that's important is that's where he says he's going to meet with us. I'll meet with you there at the mercy seat. It's really important for us to know um, that that. That it's always about God's grace and mercy is how he can meet with us. Uh, it's, it's always in that process. He meets with us at the mercy seat. And, um, and so it's, it's a fascinating thing. It's always by God's grace that we have this available to us in Christ. Um, and never forget it, that that's, that's why we can meet with him. It's because of what Jesus did, not about us getting it together, doing it right. He goes on and talks about making a table. Uh, and this table 
um, that he's going to make is where the bread's going to be. And um, this, this table was to be wherever the people were uh, and to be available. Um, and and it's, the reason it needed to be like that is Jesus, if you remember, he says, I'm the bread of life and, uh, and, and you're to, you find life in me. And it was always available. Um, and so here, here we start seeing the beginning ideas and understanding the communion, adding into it. And that the table was to go with them wherever they went and be available to the people. Then uh, there's a lampstand of pure gold. And it had to, they had to hammer it out um, with its cups and its buds and blossoms all in one piece. And so, so they hammered this thing out, out of one piece. Later on, we're going to see Aaron is going to blow it and make a molten um, calf of gold, a golden calf from molten gold. And that was a false god. Um, and yet this lampstand was made of not poured gold, but beaten gold. It's another picture of what Jesus was going to go through for us in the process and what he would endure for us to have life. Um, and, and so this, this whole thing is happening from that. The, there's six branches and, and, uh, um, uh, that extend on the sides of the lampstand, three on one side, three on the other. So there's, there's seven lamps on the lampstand. There's the main stem and six branches. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. There's something about the numbers. You know, six is the number of man, seven is the number of perfection. They're with God, uh, and all that stuff is taking place in the process that's going on. And, uh, and then he says again, make sure you make them according to the pattern uh, of what would take place. So everything that was given to him on the mount, um, Moses was to make sure happened. And, uh, and all these pictures that are taking place are reminders of Jesus and what he was going to do and what was going to happen. It'll continue to tie in chapter by chapter. It gets pretty fascinating, the process. But that's plenty of information for one setting. So I'm going to stop. Uh, if you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Appreciate you doing that. Come and visit us when you can. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page. We will pray for you. Have a good night.